0: Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hany Rambod, and we're here to do a Q&A with my co-host, the one and only Austin from Dallas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never even lived in Austin. I don't know how that happened, but um, it's know, been man. a minute since we've done a q and
0: I know. We need one. I, we, we do. Yeah. We do. I So I take everyone's Q&As that we see all over the internet. So we see them on the Evigen site. We see them on the on Rambod Instagram page. We see them on the YouTube questions and we consolidate them to the best of our ability. There is a lot. And then what I do is I go ahead and answer them here. Um, from time to time, I do try to do them also still on my IG lives. But for the most part, uh, whether it's live or whether I do try to do a Q&A on there, I'm bringing a lot of those back. So remember guys, if you guys like this format, make sure that you ask the questions, make sure you share, make sure you like and subscribe and do not forget to turn on your notifications. Now that's a big one. Let's get ready.
1: All right. First question. Uh, how do you feel about training two muscle groups per session versus just one? So instead of just training chest, chest or tries,
0: what do you think? Start off with a good one. Mm. So when we do standard workouts and I have an athlete that has a very good, let's say really good arms, but they're still working on their chest. I like to do chest and triceps or chest and bicep because at the end of the day, it's not something that I'm really focusing on with arms so the chest would definitely go first and then they can go ahead and do a bicep or tricep with it so we have a major and a minor but if it's somebody that really has issues with their arms growing i will turn around and do whatever i can to either split the workout if they're a professional bodybuilder i.e do maybe chest earlier in the day and then arm like a bicep or tricep at night so that they can be more fresh for that arm session plus do an arm session by itself so again Arms are one of those things where you really try to focus on being, the frequency should be at least twice a week when you're trying to really focus on them. Uh, So with that being said, if there's a major and a minor and they're not super weak body parts, Mm -hmm. working those together is okay. okay. But when I turn around and I'm trying to really focus on being able to work with somebody that needs really that work, then only one body part. So whether it's arms or whether it's chest or let's say the person's got a really weak back, but if they got weak back and biceps, I do not want to work both of those together. I try to just keep the back separate to the biceps.
1: And this is kind of a tag on with that quads hammies separate them or absolutely
0: or like, like yeah. i always put them in together for one or two hamstrings on a quad dominant just to try to help with stability yeah. it feels really good to be able to get those to get activated yeah so line leg curls um maybe throwing in some seated leg curls on a quad dominant day so not completely you know keeping them out but then going back and doing another hamstring day and then if you want to throw in a couple of quad exercises on that hamstring dominant day, that's okay. okay. But that's how I build it out so that you can be able to create blood flow from the one side of the uh, leg to the other just for stability purposes. I feel like it's mu- it's really needed and important, especially when you want to start really doing like heavier squats and yeah. whatnot. But one will always be dominant. Yes. Got it.
1: Uh, we got a couple prep related ones, obviously, hot topic. Uh, but somebody said, after doing three to four shows in a row, how much time would you recommend taking off for the body?
0: Actually, I want to go rewind that. Rewind? That's for bodybuilding. Now, if it's a men's physique guy that's just working, that you can turn around and do both. Okay. Again, they're wearing shorts. You want to fill in the shorts, but at the end of the day, that person might- Oh, uh, we're saying to, for leg training. Yes. Got it. Back to do leg both. Yes, it so you can do both. So you can do okay. like three or four, you know, quad exercises, three hamstring exercises, and call that your leg workout. Okay. Especially if you have decent legs. Now, if you have to really focus on them, i.e. Andre, hmm. then then no, I'm saying <laughs> yeah, I know because, because, his, because his upper yeah, body's grown so sense. much and yeah. his legs need to, you know, they've grown. They are they're they getting are, better. Yeah. They're definitely getting better. Yeah. But he still needs, you know, work. Then someone like that will still split it up a bit. Yeah. Right. Okay. But if you already have decent legs and it's not and you're not really showing them because you're wearing shorts and you're they're decent, they're already filling your shorts, but mm-hmm. you want to be able to do that, you don't need to burn up another day. Hmm. But maybe you can turn around and hit your back twice for that week or chest twice that week or, you know, something like shoulders twice that week because of the fact that you don't want to waste days yeah. if you didn't need to. Got it. Okay. That's yeah. like, again, if you already have some solid legs and it's not like you have to show how separated they are, your quad sweep, then none of that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. Just filling in the shorts. Yeah. So. But for
1: like bodybuilding classic, everybody's going to be hammering their legs 100%. separate them out. I would definitely do that. Got it. So that, that next question was, if you're doing essentially, the question is, if you're doing multiple shows back to back, how long would you take off after if you're just doing three to four shows in a row?
0: I don't like doing three or four shows in a row. Yeah. I don't. I a really lot of people don't. do. I know, I know. I know. And now, again, I'm used to dealing with open bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. So if at the end of the day, we never did that with Phil, mm-hmm. right? We just, if we did anything, it would be like another show would be the afterwards where we went and did the shrew. Or we ended up doing, um, once we did the Arnold in Spain. Now, for these other divisions where your body doesn't have to peak and you're not so heavy, then I think you can do four shows in a row. You can do three shows in a row, depending on what those divisions are. And it depends on how your body likes to hold things together. Mm -hmm. If you are in, let's say, men's physique, or let's say you're in one of the women's divisions, I think that's much more attainable to be able to do three shows in a row Mm -hmm. Um, especially let's just say you're off your peak a little bit and you knew you could draw down a little tighter and it's the shows in another couple weeks one of those things is like or you turn around you made a mistake you didn't cut your sodium properly or you you know ended up cutting too much of your sodium those little issues that might have been created the last week because of just a misstep those are great ways of being able to jump right back on stage in a couple weeks Mm -hmm. it could be one week it could be two weeks later. Or if you want to do like a qualifier and you have to do a qualifier to go into a national show, mm-hmm. those are great ways of being able to do multiple shows. But if we're trying to talk about the elite, yeah. they're not doing four shows in a row. Yeah. They're not, especially open bodybuilders. They don't. Now, are there some that do? Yes. But again, I think those people are really trying to qualify. You're going after that the points or you're trying to you know hit that win. You're right there at that cusp and you might end up having to do a couple of shows in a row. But in my, in my ideal strategy and situation, it's not ideal. Yeah. So what you want to do is really focus on trying to hit your peak once or twice and that's it. And then if they did have to do that, would you say that it'd be good to take a chunk of
1: time off after that to just rest or just go back to what you were doing? It depends on what you're
0: trying to do. You got to go back and look at your photos. You got to say, okay, do I have to grow? Yeah. Because you're not going to grow in two or three weeks, <laughs> right? But if it was a misstep and you can say, hey, I can dry, I could have dried out a little bit more, or I could have been a little harder, or I could have just, you know, with those little nuances mm-hmm. and those little tenths, if you could dial in those tenths, do another show, go jump back on, try to go for the check, the win, the adjustment, any of those little things. If you have glaringly weak legs, Shut it down, mm. shut it down and say, I'm going to go ahead and take a year off. I'm going to take six months off. And this is why a lot of people don't like open bodybuilding because you got to be patient with open bodybuilding. Yeah, People don't understand that open bodybuilding is a marathon, not a sprint. And the more you try to sprint, the shorter your career will be. Yeah. You were talking to, to Blessing about that, like how
1: he just kind of had to shut it down and just take quite a bit of time to just focus on growing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Look at Mohamed Fouda. Mohamed yeah. Fouda did his pro debut last year. A couple of guys, I think it was like three guys that went into the Egyptian pro in Cairo right after the Olympia that were already just getting off of the Olympia stage yeah. that he had to go up against. He plays top five. He got hurt. He got a peck tear a week out. week and a half out just going a little too hard during those last couple of sessions. Uh, he had a couple of other issues that popped up. He still did the show. Mm -hmm. He made the best of it, placed in the top five, could have been probably fourth or third. But at the end of the day, he needs more size. Yeah. So that's why I said, hey, there's no point in rushing that. And one of those people that I feel that still need to do a little bit more of that is Regan Grimes. I feel like sometimes there's some shows that he might have done. And again, hindsight's always twenty twenty for him. But we got to get him on the show. I'd love yeah, to we talk do to actually, him. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. one of those and things. And He's an interesting one. Manager <laughs> Matt, make it work, make it happen, homeboy. But it's one of those things where I feel like I'd love to find out from him yeah. what his opinion was about if he could go back a couple of years, it, what he would have done differently, or maybe there not have been. He says, "Oh no, I, I think that I would have done it all over again." Yeah. Everybody's different.
1: Well, he also made that jump back to classic and coming back. <laughs> that's That's right. obviously going to change things up too.
0: That's right. Yeah. And so I yeah. feel like a person like him is a great example of hey, well, how would you have done things differently? Yeah. Because again, I can look at it at the sixty thousand foot level as a coach and say, okay, this is what I would have done if I was working with him, but I wasn't. So at the end of the day, what did you learn, Regan? Yeah. What did you learn? Mohammed's now going through the situation where he's trying, you know, going in. It's been a, a year. By the time he gets back on stage, can be a year, and now. It's a matter of him being being better. Of Mm -hmm. course, does he want to win? Absolutely. But in the open, you don't always win depending on how you look. You could improve and 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 actually have a worse placing because it just depends on who is standing next to you on stage. I mean, again, that could be any division, but especially with the open because you have some really weak open shows and then you have some really strong open shows. And so there's a huge variance where… With Classic Physique and Men's Physique, it's it, they're bundled up more because there's so many more competitors. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're talking about also these new guys that are coming on. So you have guys from the IFBB Elite that are coming mm-hmm. on. And some of these guys- It's going to make things interesting. It's going to make things yeah. really yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. you have a couple of the 212 guys that are going over to open. so you have, um, oh God.
1: Sean um, Clarida. Yeah. Well, Sean's already qual- qualified. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then um, I'm blanking on his name too. He won. just two years ago.
0: El Garni. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Dude. I'm like, I yeah. kept wanting to say Tamer. No. Yeah, no. Um, but El uh, Garni, he, he's been training with Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nick Walker, and he's been killing it and he's going to go do some shows. And so all these people are like, it's going to be seeing who's going to throw their hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is we, we're going to be watching that. we got some people from the elite. we got some people that are coming up. Andrew Jacked is coming up. He's mm-hmm. going to be competing this week in the, in the um, this next week in the Texas Pro. Texas Pro. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. I heard Kuklo's doing it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So yep. I heard Kuklo's doing it. Didn't yeah. know that until I didn't this week. Exactly. I think he was, he was his undercover brother. Because
1: everybody was kind of looking at Andrew Jack. Like, oh, this is going to be a, a lot of people were saying that, you know, he's going he's gonna to go in and do some damage. But, you know, Kuklo, big guy. Yes.
0: <laughs> and so, hometown. Yep. He's going to have the home field advantage. Yep. Uh, he's... A veteran in the sport. Mm -hmm. He's been a pro for a dozen years, you know, or almost 11 years. He turned pro, uh, 2000, was that 2011 USA as I was working with him and he was turned pro. And, uh, so he's got a lot of experience under his belt. Yeah. And now that he's getting his formula of getting dialed in, I think he's now more prone to not sacrificing size for conditioning. Mm -hmm. And so now he's getting the nice balance of both. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how that's going to look next to some of these guys because Andrew Jack's got that fresh muscle and he's got a new look and he's a little bit taller. Yeah, I was
1: going to say he's pretty tall too, right? Yeah,
0: he's very tall. I think he's taller than, uh, I think he's taller than Kuglo.
1: Kuglo's right at like six, right? 5'11". Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think last probably 5'11", six foot, I believe. Okay.
1: Yeah, Cause I don't know how tall Andrew is, but it's going to be a it's gonna be a good But job. he's definitely on the taller side. Yeah, yeah. He's
0: definitely on the taller so side. Big. He's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's no, he's no Dirk Lunsford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shots fired, shots yeah. fired, shots fired.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he's not, uh, under the, uh, the five foot eight or under the club. <laughs> um, so that being said, it's going to be an interesting show. It will. It's going to be an interesting show. Um, but yeah, I think it, it really, uh, it, the whole season is, are turning into a very competitive season where mm-hmm. these last couple of shows, there were some shows that people were qualifying in, you know, the far east and yeah. some of these things. I know Canada wasn't super strong, you know, Ian and uh, Antoine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were they were battling it out, but yep. but besides those guys, it wasn't really anybody really that that level that. Those guys were mixing it up. And I know there's a lot of words too. That's the other thing about there's, those two guys. There's
1: been a lot thrown around between yeah. them two and blessing in there. I'll say it's been just, it's yeah. been chaos in the comments. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely, but it makes it interesting. We need all three of them on at once. Yeah. <laughs> just a panel just to go through everything. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah.
0: That would be good to be very interesting to see how that goes down. But, um, but Ian had a great look. Yeah, I think that yeah. he had a great look. A lot of people say that the pictures weren't as good as as what he was looking like on stage because mm-hmm. of the stage lighting or whatnot. Obviously. The lighting was a little off. It was a little yeah, off, but at the end of the yeah. day,
1: it's off for everybody. That's yeah, the thing. Exactly. It's just like if it's off, exactly. it's going to be off for every single person yeah, on yeah. there. If it's and, on, it's on for every single person. Yeah. So
0: they're going back and forth, yeah. and I'm sure that he's going to try to you know dial it in even more for the yeah. Olympia. Um, and then we have um, these new guys, the new bloods. So we're going to have to see how that goes. Akeem, I don't think he has, still hasn't competed yet. So he's, and he looks as big as a house. So he's be. I just heard recently
1: him. he's doing something soon. I thought, is he, he is supposed is to be is, so is
0: doing Texas or Akeem, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but okay. I know that, that he is definitely needing to come in to, yeah. to qualify. So again, seeing him would be very exciting too, cause he's a monster. Yeah. So give me some cool stuff.
1: All right. Next question. Yep. All right. Uh, This is kind of two parter. We're going to put two together. Best time for cardio.
0: We'll okay. I've always thing. liked fasted cardio. Mm-hmm. Okay. The times where I don't include fasted cardio are times when there's a weak body part coming in mm-hmm. and let's say I'm really working on someone's chest. I don't have them do cardio that day in the AM. Okay. Why? Because I don't want to flatten out the physique and depending on if they're off season or, pr- or pre-contest will dictate what's more important. If the conditioning is more important or if it's more fullness and size, how many carbs are carrying into that day, all of those things, I determine on how and how, how much and what cardio that they're doing. So if they're going in and I'm, we need to make sure they're conditioned, 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 I'm going to sacrifice it. I'll go ahead and have them do facet cardio even on a weak body part day. Yeah. If I feel like they're ahead or they're right on schedule and I can turn around and sacrifice a little bit and just switch it to the PM, I'll switch to the PM. So that's how I'll determine whether or not fasted cardio is more important than a body part. Okay.
1: Got it. All right. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And then that segues into that kind of the part two, which is what would be your preferred cardio machine?
0: That's an actual question, huh? Yeah. Good questions today. Yeah. What I do is I really prefer to use cardio equipment on athletes that I feel that they need to be able to. If, if someone is working on their legs mm-hmm. and I feel like to keep their legs full, certain pieces of cardio really help them. For example, spin bike works really well or just even a regular bike, recumbent bike, or um, and a stand-up bike mm-hmm. works really well to be able to burn some calories. And if somebody feels like, hey, you know what? I really keep a level of fullness in my legs for this prep, so I'll go ahead and have them switch over to doing some bike. Mm-hmm. Some others feel better with the fullness factor or they want a better glute hamstring tie-in on step mill. Mm. And I feel like I I try different things for different athletes, and I like to be able to really p- purpose drive the cardio to where I feel like we need to be able to really focus the conditioning. So if it's a more of a conditioning thing with glute hamstring, then it might be a step mill situation or an inclined treadmill. If it's something that's more designed for a person that needs to keep their quads a little fuller, then I might try some kind of bike activity for cardio to see how that works in regards to keeping that fullness and pump without making their legs go away. Okay.
1: Got it. I'm going to throw t- one
0: quick little bonus in with that. Do you have a heart rate you shoot for? Is it a time frame? E- yes. Uh, Every, depending on age, you know, we used to use Carbonin formula and um, back in the day, which was 220 minus your age um, divided by 0.75, 0.65, depending on, you know, where you wanted to be in terms of whether you're doing a um, fat burning zone or whether you're doing. A um, something that's more for cardiovascular exercise a little mm-hmm. higher. Nowadays I use a, a version of that for myself depending on how old the athlete is, how lean the athlete is again, where they're at in terms of how many weeks out they are But on average, things run between 130 to 150, 150 being around the really high end, and then maybe 130 on the low end. I have even had some cardio as low as 125 to 130. Mm. Um, But for the most part, that's kind of in the sweet spot. And for those that sometimes have to get up closer to the 150 mark, it might be also intervals thrown in just to mix things up. So again, if your body becomes accustomed to something, you really want to make sure that you're breaking it up so that your body doesn't become accustomed to it. Because once it does... Then you're going to kind of flatten out and plateau, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to flatten out your your results. Yeah. And what you want to do is you want to try to be able to really get into there, those deep body fat stores, especially the more out of shape you've been in or you yeah. haven't competed in a while. Those types of things are even more important. But if you're already lean and you're starting out with really hard glutes at 12 to 14 weeks out, then you can kind of not have to really go into that, those special, you know, techniques. You don't want your body to adapt. No, you don't want your body yeah. to adapt. But like I said, if you are really out of shape, all it right. doesn't I matter understand. what you do. I understand. Do, I'm getting you're going to have to get into that. Two hours, <laughs> two hours of cardio a day and doing yeah. all those things are yeah. not really good for an overall good look. Yeah, because you're going to start flattening out. You're going to start sacrificing muscle. You're going to start doing those things. Same thing with the cardio. Like if you're going to go out there, you will burn more calories if you go out there and hit your heart rate really high and you end up doing a high duration with high intensity. But you're going to be more likely to lose muscle. There you go. That's all the cardio things right there.
1: All right, back to back. Uh, Which is better, EVP Extreme
0: or EVP 3D? So it depends. If you're training at night, 3D is the way to go 100%, Mm -hmm. especially if you're like me and you're very sensitive to caffeine. Uh, I have to use Extreme earlier in the day, otherwise it keeps me up. They both work really well, but if you are a caffeine junkie and you are training during the day, 100% Extreme is the way to go. But that being said, if you've been using a very a caffeinated pre-workout, like EVP Extreme, then what I like to do for six, eight weeks is go ahead and come off the Extreme, or at least tone it down quite a bit, and go 3D, which is the non-STEM, so that you can go ahead and be able to build up your caffeine tolerance again. So it. it just really depends on what time of day you're training, yeah, and if you've been using caffeine for quite a bit of time. Because if you have, you really want to cut back on that, then it's better to either change the ratio to mostly 3D. Mm-hmm. A lot of people watch me on so, uh, stories. I add more 3D and less extreme. So sometimes it's just like a half a scoop of extreme, or sometimes it's one scoop of extreme mm-hmm. with one scoop of 3D. Because the way that I created this the Evigen EVP system is that a full dose of either one is two scoops. So if you're really like into the caffeine, you're going to do two scoops of extreme. Mm-hmm. If you're kind of moderate like I am, I do one 3D in one extreme. So I get all the clinical uh, amounts on citrulline as well as the arginine nitrate. All of those things are a two scoop dose. That's why there's 40 scoops in a bottle. But if someone is super sensitive, they might just do two scoops of 3d and that's fine too. And they'll get a lot of focus, but they're not going to get any of that. The heart palpation, uh, you're not going to get like to tachycardia. You're not going to feel like nervousness, especially if you're sensitive to caffeine. Yeah, You're not going to get that like, oh my God, and I feel my heart's jumping out of my chest, but you'll still get really good focus even with just 3D alone. Sure. And that's, you know, that's it's not, not like which
1: one's me. better. It's just which one is better for you at the time or.
0: Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Got it? I, yeah.
1: Um, this one I'm actually very curious about because I have trouble with my shoulders. Uh, stubborn shoulder tips to improve
0: to get, um, you know, a l- more round side delts. All right. I just did a video about this with Daylon Bailey. Yep. Daly Bailey and I trained together in Houston about um, two weeks ago. And what was cool is she wanted to do shoulders and that girl, she's still in amazing shape. Yeah. And she outworks a lot of men, a lot of men. And what you've got to do is when they're a machine is willing to say, let's go. I'm all about that. And she's like a machine. Oh yeah. She's like the terminator in there. And I want to be able to say, wow, on shoulders. Are you Sure. She did a workout a couple hours before that, a different body part, obviously, yeah. because she was shooting content she was doing a couple of workouts with a couple of different and people. And
1: then she did a third one that day. That's right. Yeah. She
0: ended up doing a third she did one did that, three day. Workouts that day. But one thing about her is yeah. she did not back down. Yeah. She did not back down. Yeah. And the thing that we focused on was really trying to get blood into the delts. So what I recommend anybody doing, you have to finesse shoulders into growing. And what my what I mean by that is that you have to preload the pump and the blood in the shoulders using a lateral raise machine or even just doing light lighter lateral raises to get that mind muscle connection and that blood flow before you go into your compound movements like shoulder press whether it's dumbbell machine smith machine barbell whatever i like to be able to do that now what i also like to do is i also like to do fst7 for a preload so therefore you're going to be able to really get that mind muscle connection The key is not going too heavy because even with her being the 2013 Olympia champion, I believe she won the the Women's Pro um, Physique Championship in the Olympia with um, a first place in in 2013. What you got to do is focus on the delts and not the traps Mm -hmm. because when you go heavy or you swing, you have to slow down. You have to slow down, not use momentum and you got to make sure that you're putting the tension on the delt. So don't go heavy, slow it down. If you can just do those two things, you're going to be able to get better mind muscle connection for your delts and your delts will grow. Now, preloading with pre-exhausting with doing a lateral raise, whether it's a machine or dumbbell or even a cable movement is going to be really beneficial before you start going into your compound movements. So those are the basics that are going to help you grow your delts. Boom.
1: That's, yeah, that's great. I'm taking all that in. <laughs> I'm like, we got to get to work.
0: Um, And go check out the video. Yeah. Um, we'll put oh, yeah. the, we'll put the link somewhere. In there. Tim, put the links on the bottom. Yeah, Let's put the links to the <laughs> videos for here on this channel. So yeah, it's a check great out that. Yeah. Check out the video. This been intense. I got a shoulder pump just filming it. I was just watching her train. <laughs> that's right. You were there. Yeah. yeah there yeah. were so many people. We were, that was at Alpha <laughs> Land. So for those that you haven't seen the video yet, you got to definitely check it out. It's yeah. a good video. She's super intense and she did not back down a bit.
1: Yeah. It was an intense one. Um, this actually is, is very interesting. This is about how, how can I improve my skills as a personal trainer? It's more on the trainer side.
0: I think that there's different ways of doing that. The best way is to utilize different body types. So if you're working with men, don't just say, I'm going to work with only bodybuilders that are over 220 pounds. It's just such a small category. If you really want to be a good trainer overall, you got to work with different body types So work with body types that you feel that you want to gravitate towards long-term, but at the same time, you have to turn around and use that as a a utility where you got to be able to say, okay, I can work with a 60-year-old woman. I can work with a 19-year-old woman. I can work with a 24-year-old man, but I can also work with a 56-year-old man that's maybe a hundred pounds overweight. All of those things to be a really well-rounded trainer you have to have experience working with multiple body types. That's what I did. I only got into more of the bodybuilding things because it was my passion down the road mm-hmm. because of the competitive nature. I started competing as a teenager. I really liked it. People were gravitating towards me. I was gravitating towards them. It was the challenge of being able to get really big changes with their physique and being able to get that competition side because I was competing yeah. so that I gravitated towards people that competed They gravitated towards me. Hey, what should I do? What am I missing? I said, your triceps suck. You need to be able to work on this because when you go into your side tricep or even your front relaxed, your triceps do not stick out. This is what's going on. So I could turn around and just create a roadmap and not just break it down and say what's wrong, but also these are the things that were wrong that these are how you're going to fix it. Mm -hmm. So for me as a bodybuilding personal trainer, then I gravitated towards all the divisions. So whether it was women's bodybuilding and very, in the beginning, that was pretty big in the nineties. Yeah. And then eventually to women's figure, fitness was not so much because again, last time I checked, I wasn't very good at gymnastics. Didn't really try to get into <laughs> last, it. Last you checked. <laughs> last I checked, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, but I'll be honest with you. Even when I was working with Fiona Harris, Fiona Harris was, you know, got top six, top seven at the Olympia. And again, she was from Canada and she was somebody who was very diligent about her diet, her training, her nutrition. And she said, I really need to, get. It, I need to really improve in the physique rounds. Mm-hmm. So we worked together, even though I didn't specialize in that division. Yeah. We ended up clicking, worked really well. She, you know, now she's got a couple of kids and you see her on social media, happy as a clam and she's coaching people. And so uh shout out to her. So if you guys are looking for a coach up in Canada, um, especially if those women out there, go ahead and, you know, reach out to Fiona. But it's one of those things that I feel that when I used to go to that room and see her physique and see those changes, it was really cool because I thought to myself, wow, she still has to do a routine. She has to have a powerful mm-hmm. routine. So it, it, I had to create a different dynamic. How's her energy level? How's her focus? It's not just doing some poses on stage. Yeah. She has to have, there's a performance aspect to it. And it creates a whole new learning experience for you. It, so it sounds like this
1: is what all of this is coming to is essentially, <clears throat> excuse me, um, diversify your clientele, especially in the beginning. So you can just have as many learning experiences as possible.
0: Yeah. So if you want to go into wellness, then you want to focus on that. That's not something that I wanted to do. So again, training somebody in the gym was great to be able to go, Hey, let's focus on a body part, but to have to diet them, do this, do all those things, Mm -hmm. then you have to get better and better at it. If you're trying to build that clientele in wellness or in figure, or whether it's in men's physique. Um, so you need or classic physique Classic physique is basically bodybuilding, yeah. but it's just we're with, just in general with weight meditation. loss helping people. Absolutely, with, you know all, like that. all all of those things. Yeah, yeah. You need to be able to say, hey, how much time and effort am I trying to dedicate into this? Mm-hmm. Because if that's going to be my forte, it's like being a doctor, right? You go in. You, you become a doctor, yeah. but then you have to study to say, hey, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon yeah. or, or I want to go into neurology or I want to go into anesthesiology or I want to go into become an allergist or I want, but you have to become a doctor first. Yeah, that foundation. Right. And what do you do? You learn a little bit about everything mm-hmm. and then you got through rotations Then you got to go into all kinds of different specializations. And at the end of the day, then you go into that and then you say, hey, now that I want to become an orthopedic surgeon, which part of of orthopedic surgery Mm -hmm. am I going to do? Am I going to do spine? Am I going to do hands? Am I going to be doing shoulders? Do I want to focus on knees or do I want to do a slight combination thereof? Again, the, the orthopedic surgeon that worked on me who had fixed my knee had also fixed my shoulder after my car accident. And, um, he was really good because he was an athlete and most, you know, our general jocks, most of them are, are kind of jocks. not all of them, but most yeah. of them are kind of like the jocks. Yeah. And we would, it was funny because I was training several doctors and they would always kind of like diss each other, mm-hmm. right? Like be like, oh, he's a radiologist. <laughs> <laughs> those guys they don't do anything <laughs> right
1: they don't do anything and that's kind of how it is within the divisions too it know, is it is yeah. oh he doesn't train legs he's a physique guy that's a great analogy yeah so that's that's
0: interesting so you go into some type of specialization yes so and just to take take it a step further <laughs> than then everybody that were my friends that were anesthesiologists mm-hmm. were like you know those those guys were considered the nerds. You know they're like the nerds and the numbers guys because right? they put
1: everybody to sleep.
0: They put yeah they yeah. put in, ah. the KO kings. Yeah, and um so you know orthopedics were the jocks. You know radiologists were considered Rady Holiday because it was just like all you gotta do is just read an X ray. Yeah. All you gotta do is read yeah. some MRIs. Yeah. And again, it is hard, but. The surgeons were the ones with the god complex, yeah. right? And yeah. I mean, you know who you are. You guys listen to my to my podcast. Yep. My friends that are surgeons. I have a good, a really good friend who's a cardiothoracic surgeon, and um, especially if they're specializing, as a, specializing in ECMO, you know, uh, which basically is a procedure that basically um bypasses the blood um being uh, I, I'm, uh being oxygenated by your lungs. Mm-hmm. It uses an ECMO machine. So uh, again, my friend is a specialist in that, and there's only a handful of people up in Northern California within Kaiser that do that. And so, you know, they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> start broad." Well, narrow. Yeah, in. and so it's like, "Yeah, God, I am." Gone. Yeah, you know, exactly. There was, a, there was a, a thing in the movie um, that uh, Alec Baldwin played in of all people that. that oh was, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that was a cardiothoracic surgeon, <laughs> and there's a, a, some great lines from it, but. Again, you have everything from a podiatrist mm-hmm. that works from the ankle down, mm-hmm. who's a, who's considered a doctor, all the way to someone who is working as a neurologist or somebody else who's a plastic surgeon, right? Who wants to work on different things. So, And then you have subspecialties within all of those. Mm-hmm. Trainers are the same way, especially when you get into the physique realm, right? Most of them like to you know the physique trainers like kim odo kim odo has you know the women that he works with um and actually back in the day believe it or not because i've known kim for almost 25 years 23 years he used to train bodybuilders oh really yeah interesting yeah back in the day he used to do it he used to compete too kim used to compete too And um, I think when was his last show? I think his show was in the '90s. I want to say it's like Palm Springs NPC or something like that. So you got to tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Somebody, some Kimoto, somebody will find historian. It I got to hit yeah. up. I got to hit up Kim. Text him and ask him <laughs> what was the last show again you did. I think I want to say it's the '90s. But but again, then he he became specialized. Yes, and he started working with more women, and then that was kind of like his genre and that he's focused on, that he's good at, and that's where he really feels comfortable with. Your specialty just became... Olympia titles.
1: <laughs> well, it was uh, I know, I mean, I listened, it.
0: it became Olympia titles, but it was also trying to focus on what can be better. Yes. What what how yes. to make people better yeah. that are on the cusp possibly too, yeah, especially yeah. with my limited time now yeah. where everybody keeps saying, You cherry pick, you cherry pick. Of course I cherry pick. To. I have to. Yeah. I'm only going to be working with ten people. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I'm gonna decide on and, and at what level am I gonna be working with them? I'm not yeah. gonna be working with them all on the same level. I might just do some workouts with some people. So again, if you are also interested in wanting to train with me, hit me up on Instagram because I am going to try to do some more of these kinds of workouts and collabs uh, like I did with Dana and Bailey, yeah. like I'm done with several different athletes. Even when we were down there training with Derek, we had Hunter, Hunter Labrador. Yeah. He got honied. He, that's what he <laughs> that called it. That's what he called it. There. He called it honied. Yeah, that was he awesome. called it, uh, you got it honied. He put it right in his book. He's like, Hey man, you got to put me through this uh, set. And yeah. we were working at his facility. So again, Hunter, thank you for allowing us to use your uh, facility. Um, unfortunately, I did not get to see your dad. Uh, he was got a show this weekend. If you guys do, if this does come out before his show, you definitely want to go to the Labrata Classic because yeah, yeah. these people live and breathe bodybuilding. But, um, but yeah, so one of these days, you know, I told them, yeah, next time you come up to Dallas, let's get together. We'll get a full workout in and being able to see that. So whoever you guys would like to see me train at some point, put it in the comments below. Or if you're out there and you're interested, then go ahead and hit me up and I'll go ahead and try to schedule it. I am interviewing new personal assistants because at this end time, I just do not <laughs> have time to to sift to, to, to through all these things. But um, there are things that we're definitely going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more in the future. Yep. Next question. Yep. All right. Jay 2009
1: or Phil 2013. You got all the easy questions now. <laughs>
0: 2009 Jay versus 2013 Phil. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Wow. God. They're not taking it easy on you. No. 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 You are definitely giving some hard ones today. Okay. So, let's talk about Jay. So, Jay, I think the wow factor was the fact that he had just lost. Mm. So, that helps the wow factor even further, right? So, if Jay would have came in 2009 after 2001, obviously, you know, there there would have been kind of like the expectation would have been a bit different. Yeah. because Because of the gap of eight years and then him just coming back from a loss. I think the expectation really wasn't... I mean, there were some people that didn't even expect him to be the top five because they said that he was slipping so much. Mm. And so, the expectation was lower. And then he had come in, I think the most complete he had ever come in from front to back, fullness and dryness. With Phil, 2013, it was such a crazy look on him because he was so 3D, so full. Um, He had the conditioning of 2011, which a lot of people still think that that might have been his best. At 13 i like so much because it was just he, his upper chest was just like choking him mm. and i just think that those two it's just it's so different apples and oranges it is apples and oranges days. but honestly those are the things that i think that we all talk about yeah, right yeah. you go hey ronnie this year versus jay this year or uh, this person at this year versus i mean there's so many of those virtual matchups but we, it's really hard to say.
1: It's unlike any other sport because you can't be like, well, I guess you technically could theorize, but you can't say a team from this year versus a team from twenty years ago. You know, whether it's football, that's or a really good sport. analogy. You can't you can't necessarily say the same thing with this. You can put people fairly side by side, and of course there'll be differences in lighting and whatever. But like, you can kind of do those comparisons. So it's it's unlike anything else in that way.
0: Right. It would be like saying Jordan at his best yeah. versus LeBron at his best. Yeah. Who is better? Oh, we all know that. But, but, you know, all the LeBron fans are going to say, no, it's LeBron. I was going to say, it's going to start some wars in the comments. yeah. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, (laughs) go ahead and comment below. Tell me who you think is better, LeBron (laughs) at his best or Jordan at his best. We're getting LeBron on the podcast. But, uh, no, he's not for two more weeks. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: All right. Okay. Um, Next one. How should I use super dry during prep?
0: Okay, so super dry used to be something that I would start out three or four days out. Mm. Now, as I've been utilizing it more often, what I've been doing is actually been going about 14 days out. So about 14, 12 to 14 days out, I start super dry. Because I saw Andre
1: just started posting about it on his stories so that he was taking it.
0: Yeah, so. he's been actually been on it for a little while. He started about okay. four to five days ago. Okay. So he started right around that two week mark. Mm-hmm. And we started off with a couple and then we'll end up going up to like maybe four but what's, what we're doing is we're peeling off a little bit of the layers of water slowly mm. so that it doesn't have to be so dramatic. And then we can kind of realize also whether or not we have to be a little more extreme at the end. Mm. So again, all of that has been something that's been in the works so that we don't have to do things as dramatically. And not that I was in the past, but it's also been somebody like Andre who tends to have a little bit of fluctuation with water. Mm-hmm. Then I, it being able to do that a little bit sooner, far farther out, you get to be able to say, "Okay, there you go. This is not a fat issue. This you is can more ease of a, a little bit more, exactly. instead of
1: rubber banding when you have to fix something." One hundred percent, got it. Cool. Okay, I got two more favorite piece of equipment. So we talked about cardio. This is a whole different animal, though. Wow. Favorite piece of equipment, dude. This is the
0: hardest <laughs> Q and A I've that's like ever done. You to pick between your children. That's envelopes. right. <laughs> the part, Tell me again.
1: <laughs> favorite piece of equipment.
0: Man, favorite piece of equipment, I really don't have just the one. Smith machine. No, no, <laughs> no, it's not the Smith machine, no. It, there, I think that the hardest thing to be able to choose is something, the most important thing I should say, that you have to choose is something that you can't emulate using free weight. Mm, okay. And pretty much most things you can emulate, but lately it's been a belted squat. If you would have asked me before, I would have said it is something along the lines of a pullover machine, Mm -hmm. even though you can do pullovers with Mm -hmm. other kind of Mm -hmm. apparatus, you can use a dumbbell, do a pullover. There's a lot of different variations of pullover, right? Even when you do a straight arm pull down with a rope, it's similar to pullover, especially the lower you bring your hips and you stretch. But I I really like the pullover machine. But when it comes to a belted squat, it really helps, especially taking the pressure off your spine. Mm. And so, and before that, I think, and I think they're getting better. I think the machines out there are getting better. Um, You have Pit Shark, you have Rogue, you have um, Panada, you have a lot of different ones. And again, I, you know, I'm starting to see even versions of those all getting better and changing to try to make them, the biomechanics better. Mm -hmm. Lots of times where they say, Hey, you know what, this, this link is a little too short or a little bit too long, or we need to move this control arm a little bit narrower or shorter or longer to be able to get a better range of motion. So those are things that are nice because in the past to take the pressure off, you'd have to go vertical and, Mm -hmm. you know, right? Like you have a regular leg press, but then you would go vertical and I always liked, if you watch my old FSC7 videos, I really liked vertical because vertical also is kind of a standard in, in regards to taking the pressure off your spine, right? Now you get some compression, obviously. I'm not going to say that it's not, but it's not the same yeah, as yeah. having compression on your shoulders like you would with a regular squat or a um, hack squat. So again, if you have back problems, uh, I, I used to have athletes that just couldn't handle heavy amounts of weight on their shoulders, but then they can turn around and leg press a lot. So essentially, like, letting you transfer more of the load just to the legs instead that's of right. not worrying about that. That's right. Okay. So, so that's one of the things that I do like, and I like to be able to work on, on things. But then there's other things that uh, I should be actually breaking down in one of my next videos. Mm-hmm. Is how you attack using some of these machines mm-hmm. because there's more than one way depending on your hip and how your lang- how long your legs are and where you want your travel to be, like depth, um, sumo versus non, all these different things need to be taken in consideration depending on what you're looking to build up and your particular physique. So what I like to do is I like to break it down, deconstruct it, and reconstruct it utilizing different biomechanics. But those are the machines. I would definitely say number two pullover, number one is utilizing built squad i would not have guessed that one actually mm-hmm. that's very interesting
1: because i think i think that that's a very hot button topic i've seen a lot of comments and messages in different places where people are asking about that because people want to see what you will do with your your you know essentially, oh, with your gym, gym. Yeah. my gym yeah. how yeah. you'll put together your gym everybody wants to see like oh what's you gonna put in there and
0: you know kind of tweak it to your perfect yeah there's a lot of good manufacturers out there yeah. there's a lot of good manufacturers but what happens is you go okay what's really good but then you go look at it and there's like three pieces that are good yeah and it's really different. not every manufacturer is going to be every single piece is amazing. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, But there are some manufacturers that have more pieces than not that are really good biomechanics. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of them out there are designed to be too, they're almost too big. They're like too bulky. They're just, they're not, they they just don't really perform very smoothly. Mm -hmm. And then there's other ones that just don't feel very comfortable because when you're using it, it shouldn't feel like you've lost tension. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the manufacturers have come through and done some of that stuff. Um, One in particular that is very, very like love hate relationship through the last 15, 20 years is hoist. Mm. I like certain pieces from hoist, but then some of the other stuff, when you turn around and you're trying to squeeze, you just feel like it's gotten lighter to the point where you're just like, okay, cool. Like that beginner, that beginning emotion of the set, And the rep is feeling really good, but then it's like, okay, I want to feel either more tension or whatnot. Then you have different ways of being able to do that. Prime does it a certain way. What do you call it? This is a certain way. Um, Hammer strength has has some different ways of being able to create tension through different um, ranges of motion. And I think at the end of the day, you got to just sit down and figure out which machines work really well for you. Because somebody who's six foot two might feel really well within one machine, but then you got a girl that's five foot two and she doesn't work really well within the machine because all the biomechanics are off again you have to figure out which dip machine if you use something that's designed for some big strong man yeah yeah and then you got yeah. <laughs> you're a, a five foot ten uh five foot two five foot four five foot one uh bikini competitor it's it's a bit different it's, it's very daunting because you're like wow this feels awkward i can't add any weight it almost feels too heavy even with no weight on
1: it mm-hmm.
0: so you have to try to figure out what those are. So what I'm doing is basically going through all of those things, seeing what works best and which product range works best for me and what I feel are going to be best for my athletes. And so it's been really cool though. It's been really cool. It's been being able to go through and really focus on these things. Because when I was in California, I couldn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Now here in Texas with a new facility- I get to go and do some shopping. Oh, I've gotten so many questions about that.
1: He's yeah. like, they're trying to, they're trying to get the answers out of me. They'll be like, "What's he putting in the gym?" I'm like, "I, I don't." Know. You just got to wait and see. It's going to be cool, but you just got to wait and see. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Yeah. All right, I got one more question. Actually, I've last one. This. I've seen this quite um, all over the place. Uh, people have been asking because they've been seeing you around training and different videos on your stories and things. People are asking about Young LA because they've seen you wearing it. Yes, they yeah. want to know. What's, What's the rundown?
0: On? Yeah. So I've been really close um, recently with uh, one of the owners, Gary, and I've been, he sent me some product and I really liked it. He sent me some shirts, some shorts. Um, I love their zipper shorts. I've been wearing them at all the shoots because I always lose my cell phone. No. I always lose my wallet. I always do things like that when I'm on a lake press or whatnot. And uh, it's, it's not just feels good and it's good quality, but it, I feel like it's very functional. So um, when I'm on a plane, I like they're, they're joggers that have the zipper. So I don't lose my wallet like I did once mm-hmm. when not wearing them mm-hmm. and making sure those are on there because they, it flew under this, uh, basically, went in between the sweet cushions.
1: We were just talking about that a yep. couple of days before. Yep. We we're like, yeah, yep. I always wear zipper pockets so I don't lose my stuff yep. on airplane. Well, the day I did that, the I The one didn't day wear-
0: you didn't wear your
1: zipper <laughs> pockets. <laughs> That's right. We hear that you lost your wallet. Never again. That's right. Young LA zipper pocket sales right now. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> young yeah. LA zipper pocket. To the moon. Pocket. Yeah. If you're
0: traveling, <laughs> uh, zipper Zippers. pockets are so important because mm-hmm. whether you have your passport, your wallet, your ticket, your, you know, your, whatever it is in there and you want to be able to secure it. So those are the things. But again, style is a very big thing too. So at the end of the day, it's one of those things that I also feel even with their prints and whatnot, it's always been, it's a very tranquil brand. It, it creates like, you know, you see hummingbirds and flowers and stuff yeah, like that, uh, but it's cool in a very kind of masculine way. Yeah. And so, and which by the way, new young LA women is coming out, yeah, which is yeah. pretty cool. Cause my yeah, wife was cool. complaining. She's <laughs> like, don't work with a company that doesn't have women's. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh, there's women's coming. Yeah. So that is dropping. So that's going to be exciting too. But again, it's a very cool, I mean, there's a lot of different athletes. You there, feeling more them. tranquil? definitely Thank you. i mean i'm more tranquil because i'm in dallas yeah. in general yeah. when i'm here i feel more <laughs> more more tranquil um but in general i feel that it's there is just functional and good yeah. high quality and there's some collab stuff that we're going to be working on that i'm very excited about and um yeah so shout out to all the young la lovers out there and if you haven't used young la i'll put a link down below you can check it out but it's one of those things that if you you know everyone keeps asking me because they see me I'm yeah. shooting in it every day it's like and i get a pair of shorts and i'll get them in like multiple colors you see me in the blue in the black the gray the green all of those things the jogger same thing because once you find something like i'm wearing kobe's right now and everyone's like god you love kobe's i see you in like 40 different pair because when i liked a certain version of kobe i would buy them in five different colorways. yeah and that's just how i am i don't know how you are down you know people that are watching this but if i feel something that i'm comfortable in I just like to find different colors of the same one mm-hmm. so that if I want to turn around and wear a different color t-shirt and whatnot, they end up working together. I
1: believe the trendy term these days is that's like a, a capsule wardrobe. Really? Yeah. You have these clothes. Is that it is? You, so yeah, you started the, it even before then. The clothing but now the it's just, you got Yeah. You got your simple okay. things that you like and you stick to them.
0: Well, when I was yeah. growing up, we watched a movie, and um, I believe it was either Coming to America or not. You, you got to coordinate. You guys you gotta coordinate. And you got to pull that mushroom belt with the mushroom jacket. You know, Phil and I would joke about uh, stuff like that. You got to coordinate. and You got to coordinate. So that's that's basically what you got to do is you got to coordinate. There you go. you got to coordinate. Yeah. So yeah. So again, mo- many more things coming out. So for all those videos that you see me shoot for the last several weeks, wearing so many different Young LA pieces, it's because I really like the quality. I really like the brand. I like what it's about. And I like the fact that it's functional as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome.
1: Well, yeah, that, I got, that was reason. I got a couple more, but they're really solid, deep ones that we're going to have to cover in a future podcast because those ones are going to need a lot more elaboration. Okay. Let's we'll do a tweet everything.
0: teaser. I won't, maybe I won't answer them, but tell me what they are and we'll do it easy Oh, the okay. Team. All right. Well, the, the, you had so many good yes, ones, there. but if you one. disappoint me right now, I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> I'm gonna not even going to show out. it. It's just going to edit this part it's gonna out. It's going to cut
1: straight to, and that's the truth. And then it's just going <laughs> to be gone. It. Um, no, the big one I remember specifically was which client taught you the most. Ooh. Yeah. And so I think that that's going
0: to be Which a very Which client one. taught me yeah. the most? Yeah. Okay, so guys, for the next Q&A, we're going to level this up. Mm-hmm. We're going to go ahead and start there. So this That's, that's, that's going to be, be that's the
1: first one. one. The first I, yeah, question. We're not going to edit yes. this out. Yes. This is a good one. And we're not going to talk about that time that you trained me cuz I know that that's, um. that's going to be the the go-to, but <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Which other clients outside of that? But yeah, no, that's going to be the next one. We'll kick it off there.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. Okay, guys. So again, Austin Honey Rambod and that's the truth.